That's right, baby. Choo choo. The Taggart train is officially pulled into Tallahassee. What's going on, Ethan? We're back with another episode of Hear the Spear, and we got a new coach. Oh, yeah, man. It's great. Uh, Where's the intensity, of- Ethan? Intensity. You got to ramp it up. It's, it's, it's almost exam week. I, I don't know, quite frankly, how what? you got the intensity that you do. Um, I just got done taking an exam. First so coach I'm, I'm hire in 41 trained. years. Not the first coach hire. Yet. First coach you search, though. No, first coaching hire. The other ones were in line. Uh, all right, all right. If you, if you want to you put it that way. But yeah, right. it, how it, it was hire. How you feel about it? I like it. Um, I, I think there's some qualifying factors that, that I need to see before you know I'm all the way um, just hyped and, and ready to say, oh yeah, Florida State's winning a national championship in the next five years or something like that. But But I think that Florida State ultimately got the best guy for the job that was currently on the market. And that made a lot of sense. So I think that that's that's about all you can ask from your athletic department in terms of making uh, a football hire. I agree. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, what, what do you want? Where do you want to go first? I mean, uh, we could just summarize the situation for those who don't know. Um, today is Tuesday, December fifth, and it was made official that Willie Taggart, the head coach um, at Oregon this past year, and then USF in prior seasons. Um, will be Florida State's head coach uh, starting, I guess, effective immediately. Uh, he'll be able to get out and recruit. Um, what does this mean for Florida State? Well, it means a lot of things, but right now it means that this 2018 recruiting class might be salvaged. Um, as me and Ethan talked about a little bit last week, uh, Taggart is a ace recruiter, perhaps his best quality. He has a dynamic personality. Relates very well to players um, by multiple accounts, a great recruiter, and should bring FSU's recruiting class, which is now ranked, I think, in the 30s in 24-7's composite class rankings, uh, back into, I would say, top 10, top 15, Ethan? What do you think? I'd say top 10 is a, a good um, like a good target for him to shoot for. I think that would be a highly successful close if he's able to kind of pull him back up there into, into the top 10. What are you hearing, Ethan, as far as how many current Oregon commits uh, would be interested in coming to Florida State? Because I know there's multiple from the state of Florida. And by they've multiple, got, like double digits. Uh, yeah, they've got four main – four main or three main guys that I really think that, that for sure um, Taggart will give a look at um, the, in terms of guys that are committed to Oregon that, that are really a good, a good chance that they flip. And, and I think the two that really – kind of come off the page at you right away are Warren Thompson, who's a four-star wide receiver from Armwood, and Isaiah Bolden, who's a four-star DB, also also from Tampa. Uh, those guys were... Not, Isaiah, Bolden was committed to Florida Isaiah State. was committed, and uh, Thompson, Thompson was strongly was considered a lean. Yeah, Tom, strongly considering Florida State, even before the hiring of Taggart, and, and they were both committed to Oregon and to Willie Taggart. So I think those two guys commit are, are, are like... You know, I see. Uh, I think that both of those guys flip to Florida State here in the coming days. And then uh, there's another one too, uh, Malcolm Lamar. He's a four-star defensive end from Armwood, same school as, as um, Thompson. And so I think that that he's another guy that you could see um, flipping to Florida State, assuming that Taggart is still interested or, or extends an offer uh, to him from Florida State. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I can confirm that uh, via Twitter that Warren Thompson is excited to 
have Willie Taggart in, in Florida State. He tweeted last night something about, uh, what's up, Doak, or where are you at, Doak, with a picture of, I think, him in the stadium or something like that. So it looks like Warren Thompson is at least very interested in the move that um, the head coach he was recruited to made. Um, where do you think FSU's recruiting, Ethan, will stack up compared to Jimbo Fisher's recruiting in the past? Will it be on par? And by Jimbo Fisher's recruiting in the past, I mean about an average of finishing somewhere number four through number six in the country. Do you think it'll be on par with that, a little bit worse than that, a little bit better than that? Oh, I think initially you're going to see that it's on par with that, and I don't think you can really ask for something more than that because the only teams that consistently out-recruit you are, are Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, and, and those those three schools have the best. You know, cons- Clemson hasn't consistently out-recruited you in the past, but it, you know that that's probably going to be something. I don't think they've that, ever out-recruited Florida State during the Jimbo Fisher era. They didn't, but I think that if Jimbo had stayed, you would have seen them start to do that. So I think that that those are the three schools that are going to going to consistently be up there from now from now going forward. Uh, and, and I think that it's it's fine. You know, you know, being in the, in the top five, like four to six range is I think something that you see with Taggart. But that being said, you know, in these in these past jobs that he's had, they they've been quick stops, and he's been able to just capitalize on new coach momentum. And and we've seen that you know, you can get that new coach momentum. And if you don't, if you don't put results out there, you can lose it and your recruiting can suffer. So he, he's never really had to face that at a, at a single program. So this, this looking, you know, a lot like a destination job, oh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what his, you know, he's going to have to put those, those efforts on the field and, and, and continually, continuously be able to, you know, kind of sustain the recruiting and back it up with the, with the results on the field. You know what my favorite part about Taggart is, Ethan, um, which is not even a big deal, but just something I saw today. Uh, I saw a tweet, and it was from like a verified uh, official account, and it's not much of a th- something to lie about anyways. But it said basically when, when Taggart was the head coach at USF, when Florida State, when USF uh, played Florida State, when Florida State went to USF to play in Tampa, uh, Willie Taggart's family came to the game, some of them dressed in Florida State stuff, and apologized for it to Willie, but wouldn't change. <laughs> so that just tells you that this guy's born and raised a Florida State fan. Apparently, he was a real fan fan, like our listeners are, not like that was the team he rooted for. So, I mean, it's definitely nice to have a change of, uh, I guess, it's just a stark contrast between Jimbo, who I guess, I don't know, clearly wasn't his dream job, right? Regardless of his quotes uh, in past seasons, clearly wasn't his dream job, and it's nice to have somebody who will seemingly appreciate uh, the job and and truly um, love the university. No, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's going to be awesome, and maybe because Taggart has that affinity for Florida State, and it's well known by Florida State, maybe that's something that prevents the whole Sexton offseason situation from happening every offseason. So I think that's definitely a plus. Yeah. Um, I think I think we should go ahead and mention, I guess, we can talk about the money side of things. Um, the deal was reported at six years, $30 million, so that would be a $5 million average. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see if, it, you know, see it maybe being backloaded, you know, maybe starting out um, in the low fours and then getting up to the high fives or, 
or whatever by the time it's done. Um, so, so that's going to be interesting. And also, uh, I'm going to be keenly looking out for the buyout number. Because especially I think, after Jimbo's. Especially after Jimbo's. Um, also, because I think that we can get into this later, but I do think that this, there's a certain boomer bust aspect to this hiring. And, and so I, I think it's important to not really chain yourself to a, to a guy that hasn't um, you know, proven themselves to be a, um elite type coach at a power five program. All right. So let's you, um, I think fans would be interested to hear maybe a ceiling coach and a floor coach for, uh, Willie Taggart. So the best he could be here and the worst he could be here compared to, to coaches. I have two in mind. I have one, one, uh, let's one hear it. Ceiling and one floor. And then if you want to think about it while I do, or maybe compare it to, to somebody else or just agree with mine. Um, I'll let you do that. But so I think his ceiling is kind of Dabo Sweeney. So like a very dynamic personality surrounded by really good assistants, a good CEO type coach. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Dabo or Willie are like bad X's nose, bad play callers, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just saying when you have a dynamic, dynamic personality, when you're genuine, like I think both of the, the individuals are, I think you have a chance to be successful if you just and I think Willie is very humble and he surround he understands that he needs to surround himself with very good coaches in order to succeed and that's what he did when he went to Oregon obviously so I think if he understands that he always needs to surround himself with extremely competitive and elite coaching and doesn't let the staff get stale like Jimbo did I think he could be Dabo Sweeney and then I think the floor is more of an elite recruiter who doesn't win games as a head coach. Ron which, Zook. Okay, Ron Zook is, is an example. I was going to go with Greg Schiano, the current Ohio State defensive coordinator. He's always been a really good recruiter, but has never, I mean, still, as you can see, is still a coordinator because he can't, uh, he can't coach said talent or win games with the talent he has. I think he coached at Rutgers. It's definitely Rutgers as the head coach and the Bucks before that. So, and he couldn't win with either, obviously. He he had Rutgers in the top ten, and and so and then, he wasn't totally horrible. Got fired. But yeah, or no, no, no. He left for the didn't he? He left for the Bucks job, I think. Um. But yeah, I I agree. I think that's what I kind of what I said with my my boomer bust. Um, comment earlier i think that that tagger you know right off the bat you're gonna get you, you know you're getting an elite recruiter that that that's like a, a a foregone conclusion that's happening he's gonna be able to hit the trail hit the trail hard he's gonna recruit florida like it's nobody's business but the thing is is that and this is my biggest issue with, with taggart and his resume it's not the overall record of 47 and 50 because People who, who want to throw that out there as a negative haven't looked at the situations that he took over at each school that he's been a head coach at, Western Kentucky, USF, and Oregon. To me, it's the fact that he, he we don't you don't know what what he's going to do as a like a program CEO, a program maintainer. In his past, because he's taken over these lower level jobs, he's just come in and, and been a change agent, you know, kind of turning things around. And and getting you know getting players in there, but he's never stayed long enough to kind of really reap the benefits to the point that he you know you have an elite program and now you've got to really like compete from 
you know, to be one of the elites in your conference or whatever. And I think the closest you, you saw that was not was is 2016 at USF, and that season he wasn't able to win a conference championship. So you know he's never won a conference championship as a coach, and I think you can't really fault him on that, except for maybe or one season for sure, which would be 2016 with USF, and two at most if you wanted to say 2015 with USF. Now in 2016 with USF, he lost two games. They lost to Florida, to State. Florida State, and they lost to, to Temple. What was their other loss? And Temple ended up going to the AAC championship game instead of USF. So, you know, that, that's something that I, that's only one loss. So you don't really, really say, you know, you know, they lost that one game that kept them from having a chance at the AAC championship, but still, you know, that, that fact that he, that he hasn't stayed long enough at some places to really compete for conference titles. And the fact that the one year he did, he, he had kind of a, you know, one of those losses that he maybe shouldn't have, um, that, that kept him and prevented him from, from competing for a conference championship. I think that's about the only – that's just like a summation of, of the worries that I have, which, you know, aren't overriding. Just, you know, I think you have worries in general about any coaching hire for the most part. So so I think that that's just one of my worries is that he hasn't proven himself um, in terms of competing for a conference championship, at which at this level is um, pretty, pretty tied to competing for a spot in the playoff. All right, so do you want to compare and contrast – Willie Taggart and Jimbo Fisher, because I feel like that's an important, there's some important distinctions to be made there, as the two coaches are very different, I think very, very different in their philosophies and in their just ways in general. Yeah, no, I think that's a great kind of way to, way to look at this. because Way to usher out the old era and in the new. Yep. All right, so Jimbo Fisher, we, you, we can go like strengths and weaknesses of the coaches, I guess, and how kind of... I think Jimbo Fisher's a lot better X's and O's mind in the sense that Jimbo Fisher would has and uh, got looks at an NFL coaching job because he's that kind of coach. Like, I, I, by the way, I think Jimbo would be a killer NFL coach. Yeah. Okay. So there's your there's your uh, exactly what I'm saying in one uh, one sentence from Ethan yeah. there. But so yeah. So I think Jimbo's a better game planner play caller scheme scheme coach although it, it'll be interesting to see what Taggart does because he did have the number one scoring offense this year with his starting quarterback healthy so however I think so so what do you think Taggart's strengths are then Ethan I just listed some of Jimbo's okay to me you know people are quick to point out um if you're comparing the two people are quick to point out Taggart being such a good recruiter and that that's true. He's a very good recruiter, but, but so was Jimbo. I mean, people don't think about it. Jimbo signed, um, some really, really good classes in his time at, at FSU. So I don't, I don't know if you can automatically say that they're like wildly different on the trail. I think Jimbo or, or Taggart might be a little more flashy on the trail, but, but Jimbo did get the job done for the most part. What so do you mean for the most? he had a, no, you know, he did. Jimbo had a ridiculous run. I mean, this class would have been bad, but he bolted before it was directly assigned to him. Um, the worst class Jimbo signed had a player called Dalvin Cook in it. So yeah, exactly. Twenty fourth, yeah, twenty no twenty thirteen class, which is weird considering that was the year that they won the national championship. Well, it was the year before before they won the, the twenty fourteen class was right after the national championship. Then it didn't have Dalvin Cook in it because Dalvin got yeah, well, there. Then well, I'm pretty sure Dalvin Cook's class was the worst. Him and, and yeah, well, it was it was yeah. 
So I so agree. that was the worst class that Jimbo ever signed, and it included the best running back in four states. Jimbo was on a tear in recruiting. But it, I think this – I think when we look back on this, Ethan, this coaching change, and, and spe- specifically Jimbo leaving on the year he did it, the time he did will be huge for FSU as a program being able to maintain its elite or on the periphery of elite status. Because if Jimbo would have stayed a couple more years, it's just more years of FSU kind of being like buried away, kind of like Michigan or Florida, like former elite programs that are just like kind of slowly fading away. I agree for the most part, but I don't think that, that, I don't know. It would have been interesting to see had Jimbo stayed what coaching, like what, uh, a widespread true, coaching changes on the staff he's, he's would making, have done. He's making a lot of good good hires at uh at A and M. So so far, exactly. So it would it would be interesting, but you just never know. Like everybody says, it's hard to get get it back as a head coach once you've lost it. It's a lot yeah, easier. Yeah, and to we change. talked about this a lot. The the thing that really made that a daunting or a scary thing was the fact that the buyout would have been there. Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, true, true, very true. Okay, so. Um, do you want to get into your expectations next year? I just think we need to hit all this as kind of an instant reaction just so we can go back on and look at it later. What is your record expectation, season expectation next year for Florida State with Taggart and staff? And although we don't even know his entire staff yet, uh, yet, so considering Florida State plays the entire Atlantic division, obviously, so the, the namely games will be Louisville, Clemson, NC State. We get Virginia Tech on Labor Day. We get Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, and Miami, and then Florida. So those eight games. <laughs> that is a serious oh, seven, schedule. Seven. Yeah, yeah. So we so Florida State plays the entire Atlantic Division, which arguably in a good year is the best year, in, best division in college football. Then they also play the top two teams from the Coastal Division in Miami and Virginia Tech, and then they also play Notre Dame and Florida out of conference. And both of no 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 Florida's home. And Notre Dame's away in South but Bend. Virginia Tech's home. Yeah. And then Louisville would be away. Clemson home. Definitely an exciting time to be a Florida State fan. Next season is going to be crazy. Willie Taggart's first game is under the lights the first week of the season against Virginia Tech and Justin Fuente, who was Jimbo, or was Ethan FSU's second choice behind Willie Taggart. Yep, it's just a little interesting side story. I mean, I'm sure Fuente could care less, but um, at least for Florida State fans, it'll be kind of interesting. I said this in my my the last podcast that, that I did um, flying solo. Basically, I think that if you if you were to tell me that that Taggart was to go nine and three next year, I think I'd sign on. Oh, absolutely. I think ready for this, Ethan. I think if he had his starting quarterback this year. Okay, let me just start phrase it this way. And I, 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 I got a tweet right here this. that really shows how different that they were with those. It was, it, they were. Hold on, I got. I got it. They were five and one, and they had fifty-two points per game with their starting quarterback. Then they lost their starting quarterback, and I think they were one and six or whatever without him. So, what my point is, if Oregon's starting quarterback they doesn't get like, hurt, they scored like fifteen points a game without him. Yeah, exactly. So if or, if Oregon's starting quarterback doesn't get hurt. It just, I think FSU has a lot harder time signing Willie Taggart because he likely goes nine and three or better, nine and three, ten and two. I mean, they were scoring with like crazy with their starting quarterback, five and one. 
in Willie Taggart's first season there. So obviously, if they would have went nine and three or ten and two, how much hotter of a name would he be right now, Ethan, than if than as it is as it is today because he lost so many games. So my point is, I think FSU would have had to pay a lot higher price for him and had to maybe battle some coaches because his demand would have been a lot higher. And he's actually not any better of a coach because he wouldn't have been any better of a coach because his starting quarterback got healthy and he's not any worse of a coach because starting quarterback got hurt or whatever. But it's just interesting that that kept him from being a super, super hot name. Okay, and, but here's, and, the, here, here's the kudos to the Kudos to the FSU administration for still being able to pick him out as the number one target because I, I think he should be the number one target or I thought he should be. Okay, here's the here's the flip side to me. What we're talking about, you know, kind of the the way that um, Oregon's offense was night and day. So, so what do you think? Like, what do you think that says about Taggart's offense that it it was they they were really really bad. I think is, I don't know. Like I don't they know were they were worse that. than than Jimbo. They were worse than Jimbo and Florida State's offense with James Blackman. Their their starting or their backup quarterback averaged forty six yards passing. In the games that he played. The thing is, I don't know anything about Oregon's quarterback depth chart. Bur- so. Burmeister, it was Burmeister, and he was a pretty. He wasn't like a, a overly rated, highly rated recruit, but I'm pretty sure he was a four star. My thing is, let's see. I'm a lot more concerned right with how well the offense does with the starter than how it does with the backup. Oh, I agree, but but what you know, but what um, does it what say I'm about saying, the offense? I don't know because I don't know the backup I don't know anything about the backup so I don't know if he didn't know the playbook at all if he was hurt if I don't know anything about him he wasn't so, but what I'm saying is that exactly like we, we've seen I'm just saying that that I can think he run that, can the backup run could the starter run I mean there's so many different yeah, variables Herbert can, run, Herbert can run a little bit um Burmeister was listed as a dual threat coming out of high school so he can run a little bit too um but my thing is is that Taggart I mean and much this this you know here's the thing like when you're looking you're talking about it. Her- Herbert was a really good quarterback, um, and Quentin Flowers was a really good quarterback. And much like, you know, much like you, when you had to give Jameis or Jimbo Fisher credit for recruiting Jameis Winston, you have to give uh, Taggart credit for recruiting those guys to his school. Uh, was so, Herbert a actually, freshman? I'm not sure. I, I don't think he recruited Herbert actually. Yeah. So, helpful. but but you have those two. You have those two good good quarterbacks, and, and maybe you, you know you, you see in that offense he he switched to that. The, the spread offense and he's had two really good quarterbacks to run it. So, you know, it's just interesting to see how much of that might be the fact that he's had two really good quarterbacks and, and, and just seeing, you know, but, but ultimately having good players is what leads to success for all coaches. Every coach. So, that's why recruiting is the most important aspect of college coaching. Recruiting is the, is definitely the most, most important aspect, but you have to be able to coach too. And I think that's one thing that, you know, people are going crazy about this hire and rightfully so, but you know, I, I think many, many folks should, you know, kind of think this, this dude can recruit, but we also need to, to see him prove that he can be an elite, uh, elite coach as well, because ultimately some, some uber talented teams have, have failed, including this year at Florida state, which was a very, very talented team, top five talented team in college football that went six and six. So yeah, I think a lot of that was because of the quarterback and the assistants, which hopefully FSU should not have a quarterback problem next year, regardless of injuries, right? I mean, you should have three quarterbacks with a year in the system that are healthy, or at least a year. Francois will have two. And, well, not the system, I guess. 
actually, but a year in college, and Francois will have two. And then you should have a true freshman quarterback. I don't know who Taggart's going to get. I think we can talk maybe a little bit about the possibility of fields, although I don't see it happening. Yeah, um, and, and they also, uh, people were talking about the kid that was committed uh, to Oregon, but he apparently is solid to Oregon. And, and so I guess if Florida State's wanting to sign a quarterback, I guess um, Foster might be their James best Foster. shot. We'll have to see see what happens. Uh, I don't know. I think Foster would be a good fit for the offense, personally. I the, think the Taggart runs. I think so, a lot of a lot of names that we don't have now are going to emerge in the next week, and I think we'll have a lot more comprehensive understanding of it um, in a week from now. When because we really don't know who Taggart has in mind. It's a completely different board than Jimbo. Agreed. Agreed. So um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how Taggart closes down the stretch. Uh, I think, like we said earlier, I think top ten would be be a good close. All right, uh, over, I don't know if you want you want to get into uh, maybe overreaction. Overreaction or, or accurate? That's fine. We can we can roll with that. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say we could talk about uh, coaching and, and who it might it might look like uh, that that you know Tagger might be looking to bring along. All right, let's do that first, and then we'll do the overreaction or accurate because I think it's important to establish those ideas before we get into our predictions. Okay, so okay, so so I'll just start with this. It's been reported tonight that. Um, Willie Taggart's DC will be making the trip with him to from uh, from Oregon to Florida State. Jim Levitt is a highly respected defensive mind in the industry. Um, he used to coach USF. Many of you may know him from there. He then uh, went to the NFL. Oh, hold up! There was just a piece published on Football Scoop that says that Justin Hopkins, who's one of the more credible um, Oregon reporters, said that. He might Levitt not be might leaving prefer yet. to stay to or, prefer to stay in Oregon. Yeah, doubtful. Okay, but we're gonna we're gonna. I already saw that. That's why I'm dismissing you, because that's just him saying that he hasn't completely made up his mind yet. But the reports are saying that he's going to go, not that he has gone. Um, but assuming Levitt comes, Levitt's a very good coach. Completely turned Colorado's defense around last year. Um, came into Oregon and completely turned them around. Uh, I think they went from like a like a, a hundred plus defense in the fifties, and I know their passing defense was um, shot straight up with with Levitt, which is encouraging because FSU really struggled on passing downs despite having one of the best uh, or most talented, I should say, secondaries in the country. Uh, so Jim Levitt is the DC, and we're me and Ethan are assuming he's going to come to to Florida State along with um, with Taggart. What we're not sure about is who will be the OC. Um, do you want to throw some names out there, Ethan? Okay, well, well, it seems like Mario Cristobal is, is like the leading candidate. He was made interim head coach at Oregon today, though. So, he, you know, he might get a look full-time at Oregon, though I, I have my doubts that he gets that job. But he, he might look elsewhere um, in terms of any other lower-level head coaching jobs that are open. Uh, he's not a lock to come. He might, and, and then again, you know, if someone like someone or someone else gets a job at Oregon, he, I guess he might look to uh, stay at Oregon. If that's something that he he might uh, or want to get, you know, into. I also so hear it, that Cristobal, being a Miami guy, uh, doesn't really like the idea of wearing garnet and gold. Although money and uh, and the possibility of winning a national championship might tr- change his him. mind. Yeah. 
But here's okay, another so, name for you. I have, an, I have okay. another name. Uh, I think I know where you're going with this. What do you think? James Coley? No. James Coley is going to be uh, reported today that he's probably going to be the offensive coordinator for Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Oh, really? Yeah, which was interesting to me. Yeah, that is um, interesting. But here's my name for you, Matt Canada. Oh, the LSU OC. LSU OC, who looks like from he's, Pitt, he wants Pitt. to get out. He was Pitt's um, OC, um, and he was LSU's OC this year, and, and he's widely reported to be looking uh, for an out at LSU. So I think that, that that might be an interesting name. Wow, James Coley, that, or excuse me, uh, Matt Canada. That would be very exciting. He was the top OC name last last offseason before he signed yes. with LSU out, out of Pitt. He, I guess, developed uh, Nathan Peterman, who the Bills drafted um, from Pitt. Five interceptions in one half, but he was a good yeah, college quarterback. Yeah, yeah, good, good beat, college he quarterback. Beat, did he, beat, he beat Clemson, I want to say. Yeah, he did. He didn't beat FSU, though. I thought that's where you were going to go with that. No, 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 no. We don't play Clemson. Pitt. All right. Um, okay, so the rest of the staff. So there there have been some whispers of former Knowles, which Ethan just said one of them, former Knowles who are interested in coming back to Florida State to coach under Willie Taggart. First name, Ethan just said it, Ron Dugans, wide receiver coach at the University of Miami. Dugans uh, played wide receiver for Florida State. He, I want to say he got his – some sort of degree at FAMU, and I know he lived in Tallahassee for a time. So he's a big Tallahassee, Florida State guy, currently coaching at Miami. And there have been reports, granted unconfirmed, um, and I'm not sure how credible the sources are, but there were reports on Twitter today that he'd be interested if Willie Taggart offered him the job to come to Florida State, coach wide receivers. So that's one name. Another name, former, uh, another former Florida State great is Terrell Buckley, former Florida State DB. I believe he holds the record for interceptions at, at Florida State. Um, he is defensive backs coach, and he is reportedly interested in the FSU job. I think fans have been whispering his name for years um, as the possibility to come coach DBs because we haven't had a defensive backs coach. Um, we've had two defensive line coaches, defensive tackle and defensive ends coach, and, and subsequently have not had a – defensive backs coach and we've had five assistants and offensively and only four defensively so that's how that stacked up so and it did when this 10th coach comes on this year which is another important thing to note Ethan Tiger gets one more assistant this year than he would have last year so he couldn't even bring his whole Oregon staff if he wanted to which he doesn't want to but so he, he would have to make a new hire regardless but uh so yeah so Terrell Buckley is interested in coming back and then do you want to go with the other Florida State great Ethan Maybe he won some hardware. Oh, yeah. Um, almost slipped my mind. But uh, it's been uh, reported that Chris Winkie, uh, former Heisman winner, former Heisman winning quarterback at Florida State, former um, NFL quarterbacks coach with the uh, then St. Louis Rams, has been uh, looking at the FSU quarterback coaching job under Taggart and that there's been some mutual interest, um, you know, kind of shown between those two parties. Chris so that, that's is- something that you could see. Um, materialize in the next few days. Is he, I, an, I, is he an offensive analyst at uh, the University of Alabama right now? I do believe that is that is he where was he's the beginning of the season. That that is that that is Alabama is his header um, <laughs> on Twitter on his Twitter page. So so we got to get that right, don't we? Jeez. All right, Ethan. Now that we've established the uh, potential coaching hires that Taggart will make and I know there'll be a lot more names to come in the next week and we'll be sure to cover that on this podcast 
Uh, let's get into some overreaction or accurate. So the first one, I think you kind of already answered, but I want to ask anyway so we can get it on the record. Uh, overreaction or accurate, Willie Taggart will finish with a top 10 class at Florida State this season, 2018. Class. I think that's accurate. Okay. If you said, I, like, top five or, or even maybe, like, top six, I, I think I'd say overreaction. Okay. So why why do you think it'll be between five and ten? Um, because I, I think he's going to get in here and he's going to land a bunch of these Florida guys that he had committed to Oregon. I think he's going to get some of the kids that, that decommitted from Florida State over the past week to recommit, um, especially the guys like Ja'Shawn Corbin, who was even looking at Oregon as he decommitted. Um, and maybe a guy like Verdes Brown or, or some other, or a couple of other guys. So I think he's going to land some of those guys back. And then I think he's going to, uh, go and try and get some big, big name targets, some of which he may be successful on. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, really where he goes, but I, but I think that if you get it back into the top 10, it's got to be considered a success. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, overreaction or accurate? FSU will be preseason ranked top ten next season with Willie Taggart and coach. That that is tough. I'm gonna say overreaction. Okay, why and where do you think they'll be then? I just think people are going to be hesitant to put them up into the top ten, considering what they're losing on the defensive side of the ball and the fact that they went six and six this past season and have a new head coach. Whoa, um, whoa, seven and six. Don't sleep on the independence. Okay, okay, seven and six. <laughs> But then, you know, you're losing quite a bit of, of defensive talent. You might be losing um, one or your, your best receiver, um, maybe a couple receivers, depending on who declares for the draft. So I think there's just going to be a little bit too much uncertainty. And, and, and while I say that, there's also definitely an upside that's in the top 10 for this Florida State squad. Overreaction. So like, oh, I thought you were done. We're all good. Just hit it. All right. Overreaction or accurate? Willie Taggart is now the best head coach in the state of Florida. Definitely an overreaction. Okay, who is? Uh, you've got to give it to Rick right now. Rick? Yeah, you have to. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, he, 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 won, he won his division in his second year at Miami, which is something that Taggart has never done in his coaching career. Granted, he won a pretty horrid division. That's true, but still. You know, I think that as of now, you, that's like a no-brainer. Considering the time you put in at Georgia, the fact that, you know, he's been into really big games, um, the fact that he got Miami back to their first ACC championship, I think it's a pretty easy easy pick right now until Taggart proves himself at Florida State. Okay, overreaction or accurate. FSU is better off going forward with Willie Taggart than Jimbo Fisher. I'll say that's accurate, but it's not. It's not because Taggart's like automatically a better coach than Jimbo Fisher. I just think things got stale at at Florida State with with Fisher at the helm, and I think that's you know, and not to deflect blame because a lot of a large part of of the fact that things went stale at Florida State is Fisher's fault. The fact that he didn't change out his staff, the fact that he kind of let a, let the culture slip. Uh, by you know letting guys loaf a little bit and still start and stuff like that, I, I think that that is, is an accurate statement and that just things were stale. I, I didn't see a whole lot of upside for Florida State. I still think Fisher's a very very good coach. Uh, hopefully he kind of learn or you know depending on what you think of him, hopefully he kind of learns from his mistakes and, and learns that you know even though you've won a national championship, you're not immune from from 
really, you know, you, you know, coming back down to earth in the cyclical world of college football and that he kind of stays on top of, of things at Texas A&M um, j- and doesn't allow things to get as stale as they did at Florida State because I really did feel that Florida State was going to be in a, in a really bad kind of spot with Miami having rigged, have, finding early success in his tenure, and then Florida hiring a new coach. Um, so I, I thought that that Florida State was going to be in a really tough position to try and fight back to the top of this to the top of the totem pole in the state. That's fair. All right, I just have a question. Uh, that was my last overreaction. Accurate. Do you have a bold prediction for the the Taggart era at Florida State? Do you see it going a certain amount of years? What, what do you see the ceiling as? Do you think he wins the national championship? Do you think he busts? Do you think he signs the number one recruiting class? Do you have a bold prediction? I'll give you 10 seconds to think about it and give me some. Bold prediction. No, I don't think I really have a bold prediction because I really do think this is a boomer bust hire. So I think if I made a bold prediction in the positive sense, then I I, I could just as easily make a bold prediction in the negative sense. So I think right now, just because of the nature of this this hire, I think it's safer to just kind of Wait and see. I, I don't really think that there there's any way to to make a, a bold prediction that I have any kind of logical you know backing for. Okay, my bold prediction will be that he signs a top five class this year because I've seen this season this this cycle top five class. I'm not that would be I'm not, truly impressive. It, it would that's why it's a bold prediction. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. It, w- it would be impressive. I think that would include you know they they'd have to flip somebody. I think that huge. I could see that happening if they if they were able to flip someone like Justin Fields, which well, by the way, I think it's important to say Fields hasn't used his official visit to Florida State. And Fields, uh, that's I. It's funny how that ends up kind of working out in FSU's favor, isn't it? Yeah, and I think. I do you think regarding the Fields thing? Do you think it's better or worse if Georgia wins the national championship this year? I almost think it's better for Florida State if Georgia wins a national championship. I think it depends on how, um, I don't. somewhat to a certain extent, how, um, what's his face? Why can't I think of his name right now? Jake Fromm. Uh, Jake Fromm. Uh, I, I think it depends how Fromm plays down the stretch. I think if, if they win, if he balls out and, and, and really looks good on their way to a national championship, then I think that might deter Fields. Well, because wouldn't that, wouldn't that be what it takes to beat Oklahoma? Maybe, maybe not. Um, probably they're probably going to have to put up some points on Oklahoma for sure. But but that being said, they do I, run the ball very well. They do run the ball really really well, and they did against Auburn with with um, Michelle and Chubb and Swift. So you know, it, I could see them being able to to kind of physically impose themselves on both sides of the ball against a team like Oklahoma and not really require much of of a guy or of from. So yeah. I, I think if he if he balls out, then maybe that's a deterrent to Fields. Um, I always thought the Fields recruitment was interesting to me from a standpoint of, you know, his dad and him tried to conduct his his recruitment very much like a business deal, like finding the best situation. And they really they went about it that way. But then they ended up going going to a situation. Yeah, with a a situation that wasn't that isn't nearly as conducive um, to others. Like, I think, you know, not then this might sound like a homerish statement, but I think UF might even be a, a decent spot for him now that Mullen's hired, but now he didn't know Mullen's that there. at the time. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and so I, I think that that's, that was a, you know, just an interesting decision based Did on you the way say that it was a homerish statement to say that he might be good at UF. 
No, 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 no. I, Anti-homer I said, statement. No, no, no. I said that it was a it was a homer statement that you know I was kind of questioning the way that uh, that see, see. recruitment. You know, maybe people might have think I would be saying that because he didn't end up choosing FSU. No, um, but you know, I just wanted to point it out that it was kind of that, that recruitment was always interesting to me, considering that they handled it very businesslike. You know, very make the best decision for me. But it, but to the outside, it, it seems like maybe that they didn't make the best decision in terms of depth chart as much as they did, you know, making the best decision for being close to home. I agree. Uh, let's give a quick little shout out to the FSU men's basketball team, Ethan. Yeah, they definitely deserve this one. How about them going into the swamp and winning, I think 83 to 66, blowing the doors off the number five Gators at home, obviously. Um, FSU led that whole game, Ethan. They, Never, never, yeah, they never trailed. in the second half. Well, they did trail for I think one point. Oh, they 16 did. You're right. 15. Yeah, yeah, it was 16 15. You're but, right. but the whole game for I guess what there's a 40 minute game, 38 and a half minutes they led. So, I mean, they dominated a good team. The second half was never really close either. I kept waiting for Florida to explode, and FSU did a really good job contesting three pointers, uh, forcing turnovers. That was a very exciting team and or a very exciting game to watch as a Florida State fan. and Leonard Hamilton is now 3-0 and against your uh, glory boy, Mike White, the guy you think is the best coach ever. 3 yeah, I, know that, that, I saw that on Twitter today. Against Duke, Vanderbilt, and Florida State, Mike White's 0-10. for 10. And against everybody else, he's 56-16. and 16. So I don't know. He's got a couple a couple programs with, with some... I think it's the coaching matchup, honestly. It, it very well might be. And I think it yeah. speaks to a lot uh, to what... Um, Leonard Hamilton's be able, being you know been able to do in terms of recruiting well at Florida State, and and definitely I think the one thing that's really you know Jimbo Fisher ironically enough made me respect about Leonard Hamilton is Leonard Hamilton's kind of realization that his basketball was behind behind the times and his willingness to adapt in these past few seasons and kind of allow his team to to run a lot more up tempo on offense and kind of get away from his junkyard dog defense, defensive teams of the past that used to win games like 51 to 40, 48. So I think that that's been something that, that I really admire about Leonard Hamilton as a coach. Um, but speaking of basketball, uh, Willie Taggart is going to be at Florida state's basketball game tomorrow night, which is Wednesday. Um, they, they're going to take on Loyola from Maryland. There's several different Loyolas, but this is the one from Maryland. Um, the game is at seven o'clock, I believe. So, um, you know, this podcast should be out late Tuesday night. So if you're in Tallahassee and want to get a good look at your head coach, um, up close and new head coach up close and personal, you can slide out and support the basketball team, um, tomorrow night. And there it is. Get Pack a look tuck. At, yep. And get a good look at, uh, your new head football coach while you're watching, uh, one of the, the very best basketball teams in the country. There it is. Um, also well, Ethan, now that now, as long as we're talking about what Taggart is doing tomorrow, um, supposedly, I just got a text. Uh, it's unconfirmed, obviously. There, FSU hasn't reported it, but supposedly uh, Willie Taggart's meeting with the Florida State football team tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. So I'm sure we'll get some reports out of that meeting. It'll be exciting to hear his press conference. I'm not sure when that'll take place. Do you 11, know 11 a.m. Tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay, so, so apparently he's going to meet with the team at 8. Uh, press conference will then be at 11, which I think is good that he gets to meet with the team before he gives his press conference. Um, and then he'll be at the uh, Florida State game tomorrow night, so a full 
full day tomorrow night at seven. So a full day for uh, Willie Taggart tomorrow, and then I would I would have to imagine he gets straight to the trail, right, Ethan? You got a not much time left. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be he definitely has to get on the trail. I think that's that's where he goes immediately. He's hire staff before that though, right? Well, that's a weird thing. Like, what what is Florida State going to be able to do in terms of because because I know Oregon staff is probably most of them are going to stay at Oregon and coach this bowl game. So, you know, he, he's going to have to decide who he needs to replace, um, you know, w- which guys from Oregon's coaching staff he, he's not going to keep and kind of figure figure those hires out as quickly as possible, the guys he's going to take to fill those positions at Florida State and get them on the trail. You know, he can't officially hire them because the other coaches are still employed by Florida State, but they can reach a handshake agreement and get them out on the trail. Agreed. Yep, that, definitely an exciting time to be a Florida State fan. And as we just uh, talked about, maybe a little bit of an exciting time to be a basketball fan as well. But uh, in conclusion, basically a huge coaching hire for Florida State. Uh, whether he succeeds or not, he was the number one guy in the market. Florida State's number one guy from the start. They got their number one guy with basically relative ease. I mean, people were all upset about how long it took. But in, in all actuality, five days for a, from five, from resigning to having a new coach in, in the city is a – is a huge accomplishment from Florida State administration. Um, I think we got, especially yeah. opposed, especially opposed to, for example, Florida's hiring of Dan Mullen um, was, I think, their fourth option, or at least it was reported. So it's exciting to see your rival struggle, and then Florida State do the opposite and really succeed and go out and get a coach. What were we gonna say? Ethan? They may, they might, and just to go off your point, they may have struggled a little bit with their search. But I, I'm not so sure that Dan Mullen should have been like their second or third option. So I, and I really think highly of Dan Mullen as a coach. So I'm not sure that that it's it's you know regardless, it was their fourth option. Yeah, whether, whether it should that, have been or not, that makes me, that makes me question their their priorities in the in the coaching search more than anything. But that that being said, I think we one more thing we need to talk about. Derwin James today announced that he's entering the NFL draft this season, which is no surprise. I think arguably the bigger surprise was the fact that he has decided to skip Florida State's um, next game, which is the bowl game. One more um, answer, Ethan. Do you blame him at all? Do I blame him at all? No. Okay. But I, to me, the no, 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 no. That's one word answer. One word answer. So I asked because I knew you were going to give me an indecisive answer. No, What's no, no. Interesting I, mean, Go ahead. I don't blame him. I just wonder. My one, you know, what, what I wonder is that, like, where where is it going to stop? And I, I just wonder when when are we going to see the guy? So picture picture this. Okay. Florida State is is seven and okay. What well, what would they have been? They'd have been six and five heading into the ULM game. They're okay. bowl eligible. You're not playing for anything. What keeps Derwin from sitting out that game? It's a good question. Uh, I would say what keeps him from that is that that's during the season, so he doesn't have to wait four more weeks before like leaving FSU. So, so what Derwin gets to do today, uh, since he declared, is stop taking classes at FSU, leave the school, don't go to practice anymore, don't talk, don't have meetings, don't have this and that. He gets to solely train for the draft, focus on draft prep, and really doesn't have to deal with any of the BS that college entails if he's not going to graduate anyways. But leaving, but leaving after. After the prior game against Florida, wouldn't okay. Have done so it. leaving after the game against Florida would only given him like a week. In that, why, there's a week and a month. There's a huge difference. So you're saying just the the like the opportunity cost of it is a yeah lot. exactly. It's like the opportunity cost of the drafts in what April. 
Yeah. So he gets a whole he gets the whole month of December now instead of getting instead of having to play a game on the twenty seventh and then declare. Plus, why go through class? I mean, it, and another thing is, I think it'll depend on like. So if Florida State's in the Orange Bowl, I would expect Derwin to play, or at least it'd be a lot heavier consideration. And uh, first of all, let me say that I would, if I was Derwin, eleven times out of ten, I would never play in that Independence Bowl. What, what's the point? FSU's favored by seventeen against an opponent that, if it was on the schedule initially, would be, would have been perceived as a cupcake game. Uh, it, I don't. I do not see a single point for Derwin playing. He already finished out his career. He's he he won all he could. There's no there's no real incentive for for Derwin to go win the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. I agree. Right? I, I think that's a big thing. Is is the bowl? So and but so the if it was, there's no if it was the playoff, he's definitely playing. If it's the Orange oh, yeah, Bowl, for sure. The, the Orange Bowl, he likely plays just like Dalvin did. I mean, Dalvin plays a lot more injury prone position and a lot more. He could have easily sat out. But That's the didn't. thing that I thought was interesting is that you know Dalvin well, did play. That's a huge difference. I don't think exactly. Dalvin. No, I, exa- I, I agree. Would have played in the sh- in Shreveport, Louisiana, and then the Independence Bowl. I just don't against Southern Mississippi. I don't. Uh, I could not see it. I agree. I think that being able to put up, you know, the, the if, film that Dalvin did it, against Michigan was a great opportunity for him, and and Derwin just doesn't have the same opportunity playing no, against. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I mean, I, I don't blame him. I haven't seen many people in the fan base blame him either. I'm sure there are some people well, that, who don't understand. But, it's become but, kind of the, the cool and forward thing that's been led by the, the media and college football to you know be totally okay with them missing a bowl, which I don't necessarily mind. But I also think that a bunch of fans just, just feel like, oh, I'm saying I'm going to say that because you know everybody says it. Well, I, I just look at personally for Derwin, he gains nothing and – could potentially lose a lot, so why exactly. play? That that's the biggest thing for me. Is and if no, I was a there's no upside. Pick, it's a, it's a lame bowl with you know a, no upside for putting up good good film against a good team. If I'm like a if I'm like Roderick Hoskins and I think I'm gonna get drafted in maybe late rounds, I'm not gonna sit out because it just looks it's a bad look. I think if you're a late round guy, at least now it is to sit out. So I would play if I was him because he still has a lot to prove. But Derwin is a guaranteed top 15 pick, so I definitely play if I'm him. Or I definitely sit if I'm him, excuse me. But, all right, that's it for this episode of Hear the Spear. Me and Ethan will be back soon once more details of the contract, the coaching hires, and recruiting um, make themselves available. And until then, uh, if you like this podcast, please rate us five stars. Uh, Tell your friends, all that good stuff. And we'll see you next week. That's right. Choo choo. Tracker. Oh, f- up. I f- it up. Oh Hold on. my god. Right. I gotta come with a lot of energy. I gotta do. Uh, Hold on. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. It's hard to say Taggart train. Hold on. Um, Taggart train. <laughs> Hold on. Oh my god.